Before the Rings of Power, there were the Silmarils. Before Sauron, there was his master, Morgoth. Before Aragorn and Arwen, there was Beren and Luthien. Welcome to Window on the West, where we explore all the ages of Tolkien's Middle-earth. With your hosts, Jonathan Watson, Michael Grumbine, and Dan Coates. Welcome to Window on the West. Thanks again for joining us this week. My name is Jonathan Watson from TheWandering.com, and I'm here along with Michael Grumbine and Dan Coates as we read through the Silmarillion. We're continuing our journey today. We're going to be getting into Chapter 2 of the Quintus Silmarillion of Aule and Yavanna. And uh, if we have time, we'll try and hit Chapter 3, too. That may be another one. We're not going to figure it out until we're done with this episode, though. So we'll see. Chapter 2 and 3 or just Chapter 2. We'll find out. We'll try not to be too hasty. Uh, too it's, uh, we're very entish. That, that that's way. almost that's almost a little uh, Don't be hasty. Uh, a, a, a taste of what's to come. All right. Well, let's get started. All that is gold does not glitter. So this week, uh, all that is gold does not glitter fell on me, and I've got four quotes for you, gentlemen. I've posted them on your screen there, and let me read the first quote here. Uh, let's see if I can pull it up. A story must be told or there'll be no story, yet it is the untold stories that are most moving. That's the first quote. Okay. The second quote, he does not despise real woods because he has read of enchanted woods. The reading makes all real woods a little enchanted. That's the second quote. Hmm. Here's the third quote. Mm -hmm. Fairy tales do not tell children that dragons exist. Children already know that dragons exist. Fairy tales tell children the dragons can be killed. Hmm. And the final quote here, these all have like a similar theme about storytelling. I like it. Love them. I love them. The purpose of a storyteller is not to tell you how to think, but to give you questions to think upon. So what do you guys think is the actual Tolkien quote and what is the fake Tolkien quotes? There's one real Tolkien quote there. These are good, Dan. Good. I, are I have an, I, I have the first one. I don't have anything that says to me. Like, I absolutely know one hundred percent. Which is I'm the same. I don't. I don't. This know is you know. Sure. I've been playing. Uh, my kids have been playing apples to apples. That awesome game, like the kids version. This is exactly like apples to apples, except with Tolkien. It's exactly. No, I'm totally. It's not. Well, apples to apples. <laughs> like there's no. There's no right answer, right? I know, right? Exactly. That's why we're playing. <laughs> that's this. what. There's no... That's what drives me nuts about apples to apples. It's like yeah. you have you have like a, a word, and then you all have to throw your card in to think matches it. Yeah. And then you do a vote to determine, you know, or or, or it's the, the judge's decision. It yeah. drives me nuts. So the so judge's is decision. It the utter subjectivity. Well, yeah, it's totally subjective. So like you can I... have like the best card, and it won't get picked. <laughs> Well, I'll still try and pick the best one here. All right. Um, I think it's the third one. Fairy tales do not tell children that dragons exist. Children already know that dragons exist. Fairy tales children. Fairy tales tell children that dragons can be killed. But it's either him or C.S. Lewis. But you think you think that's the Tolkien quote? I I think so, but I could be okay. completely wrong. It's a guess. What's your, What's your guess, Mr. Michael? All right. Let me talk. Let me talk about it a little bit because just like I've learned this from all the reality TV shows is that I'm supposed to talk about my reasons why. <laughs> just don't draw it out like like they do. We 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 do all want right. to keep this within thirty. We don't. Right. We, don't so, we don't have any lifelines. Yeah. Here's my. Yeah. There's no lifeline. I'm just talking. I want to see which one makes Dan twitch as, as I'm talking. To <laughs> you can tell I play poker. So the third one I know is not him. 
no, because okay. th- that's G.K. Chesterton. Was it? Oh, that's probably why, because I'd read that. Yeah, okay. So that's the only one I know wasn't him. So one, two, and four. Um, the purpose of the storyteller is not to tell you how to think, but to que- give you questions to think upon. Um, this seems to me too formal and philosophical for Tolkien. Um, he, he never was a big one for telling what the purpose of, of one thing or another is. It, it, he was always a little more intuitive than that. So I'm going to go, I'm going to, th- I think, I don't think that's his. So I'm going to say no to four. So then I'm down to one or two. Really, I really wanted to go with two. I think I'm going to go with one. And the reason is because he's big on untold stories. Um, he's big on the discovery of new stories from from a, a hint or existing stories like like you have an existing one and then a, and then a, a new one is discovered and and he was that was that mystery was one of the things that drove him throughout his life so i'm going to go with one wow probably i'm wrong. impressed we well got done. it right 100% correct all right well for two in the last so two weeks the, uh, yeah the stop fir- reading chesterton <laughs> 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 yeah, that, that first quote there is a letter to Christopher Tolkien in 1945. Hmm. The hmm. second quote about the enchanted woods is C.S. Lewis. Okay. Uh, yeah. The third, the third quote about fairy tales telling that uh, children that dragons can be killed is G.K. Chesterton. And the last quote there is Brandon Sanderson. Huh. So, yeah, one of these like, things is not like the others. Yeah, that sounds like <laughs> Sanderson. Sanderson is very. Hmm. He's very much sure of what he of his craft and what he what 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 uh, the essence of the different things in his craft are. I've heard I've seen a lot of talks by him. I like his work, but he's yeah. a li- he's a little bit patronizing. I find him about hmm. about the uh, the art of writing. Hmm. Anyway, well, good one, Dan. I guess it's on me next week. I'll feel like since you guys went the last couple weeks, now I'm gonna at least I won't get it wrong next week. Did I do yeah. it? Last, did I? Did I? Did I do it last time? Yes, yeah, so you got it. Yeah, yeah. I was. I was right because we. I think yeah, it was Chesterton that, that one too that got me. I can't remember now because we're recording this longer after that. Anyway, <laughs> that's what <sighs> recordings are for, Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So well, then let's get into uh, chapter two of Aule and Yavanna, and uh, you know it's kind of a, a neat a neat short little story about how these, uh, who I believe, you know, I mean, I guess for lack of a better word, spouses maybe, or, you know, connected partners, right. Uh, they're, a little interaction between them and how that goes, but also, um, of the dwarves. So Dan, you like to start, like you have yeah. a big thought this week. Dan's big thought. So this is my first time reading this. And so um, what struck me in reading this is, is kind of like the, the parent uh, child relationship that Eru Alubatar seems to have with the Valar that you have Aule who's, who's kind of like this, this kid who's just excited and wants to, wants to be like dad. He wants to make things. And he's excited because he's he's heard about the coming of the children of Alubatar, and uh, it's it's interesting to me how he disobeys Alubatar and in, in that he goes beyond his authority. He goes beyond what he's been told to do by by making the dwarves, and but he does it with like this childlike 
excitement. He does it like the, in the pureness of his heart, he just wants to be creative. Yeah. And so I thought that, that, that interaction between Iluvatar and Aule was very interesting to me that, you know, when, when Iluvatar talks to him about it, he's very repentant he's very like, I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll destroy this if you want me to. Um, but he, he's just so excited to make stuff and, and he doesn't do it from a desire to, to dominate the things that he's made. He does it from a desire to uh, se- seemingly to share the world with them and share his knowledge with them. And yeah, um, he is just coming from this good place. So I thought that, I thought that was really interesting. And it seems like Eru Lubitar seems to honor that. It's the, uh, I think it's the quote that you're talking about is, is right when uh, after uh uh, you know, where Luvatar asks him, uh, why dost thou attempt to thing which thou knowest is beyond thy power and thy authority? And he says, I did not desire such lordship. I desired things other than I am to love and to teach them so that they too might perceive the beauty of Ea, which thou hast caused me caused to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, for it seems to me there is great room in Arda for many things that might rejoice in it, yet it is for the most part empty still and dumb. And in my patience, I have fallen into folly. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a neat take. I like that. I hadn't thought of it as sort of that father-child. And it makes me almost think of, uh, um, I don't know, Abraham and Isaac a little bit, right? Where, I mean, in, in a very sort of, not a direct way, but, you know, he he, he went to smite him and, and Iluvatar stayed his hand in the same way that, uh, mm. that uh, uh, God stayed Abraham's hand. Right. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. It's, I found, I found the, um, it, the it's it, it, Aule's answer interesting because the first thing he says to Lubitar, as you read, was I did not desire such lordship, yeah. I desired things other than I am to love and teach them. So he immediately his answer, intentional or not, or just intuitive, immediately goes to the the counterpoint to Melkor. Mm-hmm. We're we're already told. In previous chapter, that Melkor desired to enter the world in order to have dominance and lordship over things, and he desired to um, basically to, to control the children that were going to arise. And um, we'll see later on that that's in fact what he does with orcs. He, he he can't make so he twists so that he can have dominance. <clears throat> so yeah, it's it, it's interesting that his answer is I mean an immediate counterpoint. Which I kind of, I guess, is kind of appropriate, right? Because Aule is the counterpoint to Melkor. Both he and Melkor, um, their their element, their their primary element is f- fire, and they both love crafting and making of things. And so, um, it's a it's an interesting um, uh, sort of an example of what to what what one can do in the place of Melkor, but repent of it, and which he does. And then for his repentance, he's rewarded with the fact that dwarves are not destroyed, which has led to 20 years of ribbing by a friend of mine that I used to role play with when I was a kid who always said that <laughs> that um, elves were not the firstborn because dwarves existed before them. Oh my. So, and, and are granted, and were granted. Oh man, this is almost as bad as Balrogs have wings to me now. You're right. <laughs> Actually, though, yeah, yeah. It is interesting I, I, to me that there's, I, I still, there's still a there's still a consequence that uh, he he won't uh, Alubatar won't let the dwarves just just exist they have to they have to wait until the elves come 
And so there's this, there's this, uh, oh man, go to your room, you know, like, (laughs) well, they, it's argued that they don't actually have real life. That would be the, the, the counterpoint to that would be, they don't actually have real life. They're only sort of automatons um, to Aule's thought until they're awoken by Iluvatar after Mm -hmm. the elves. So, so you're saying they're automatons until they're awoken? Well, so he says, uh, Luvatar says directly that, that um, did you notice, Aule, that they, that they don't move unless, except when you think about it, and, and otherwise they don't have real life. And then he right. says, um, even as, Luvatar says, even as I gave being to the thoughts of the Ainur at the beginning of the world, so now I have taken up that desire and given to it a place therein. But in no other way will I mend my hand, thy handiwork, as thou hast made it, so it shall be. But I will not suffer this, that these should come before the firstborn in my design, nor that thy impatience should be rewarded. They shall sleep now in darkness under stone, and shall not come forth until the firstborn have awakened upon the earth. So the whole metaphor of awaking and sleeping is not like the elves didn't, they, it wasn't like they existed, but they were really just asleep and their bodies were there, they were just dreaming or something. The, the awakening of the elves is their creation. Like they're coming into being. Right. Yes. And in the same way, sleeping and awaking for the dwarves is going to be the same thing. So what he okay. since Iluvatar is using the future tense there, he's, it's very clear the dwarves do not have life at this point. And they right. will have life. They will awaken once yeah. the elves. Once the but elves. He, he gave them, he gave them, well, so there is the quote there uh, where he says, uh, uh, thy offer I accepted even as it was made. Dost thou not see that these things have now a life of their own? So right then, uh, this is right before, right when he was going to smite them, right? Where, where Aluvatar says, yeah, they have a life of their own and speak with their own voices, else they would have not flinched from thy blow nor from any command of thy will. So I feel like... Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Good point. He gives Good them, point. like, it's right there. But then he's like, and we're going to throw you to the far ends of the earth. So stay there until we're ready. The other thing, Dan, I was thinking about how you, you mentioned, you know, it's sort of like, a, you know, a, a child to a father relationship between Aulea and Iluvatar. And in the same way, it's it's almost like a child trying to create what he sees his father make. And that's why the dwarves are so friggin' ugly. <laughs> that's why the women have beards, because he couldn't remember that women are not supposed to have beards. He's like trying to think of the song and what he saw. And I'm like, ah, what is, what is where does the hair go? And he's like, okay, women, well, everybody's got a beard. We're just going to have to throw them. And so it's sort of like, you know, this is what a child does. They emulate their father, they emulate their mother, and they can't quite get it exactly right. And so you end up with the dwarves instead of the elves, the elves who they're, the el- who the, who the, you know, the, the valor are smitten with and the beauty like is with this, like, it's amazing to them. And we'll see that in the next chapter, but not the dwarves. The dwarves are, are, are like, it's like the thing that the father says, you know, Good job, Aule. You know, that looks great. Oh, I love it. I love how you made their hair. And he like grimaces a little bit and moves on. Yeah. Um, it is interesting yeah. to me that uh, Aule does do it from a good desire of seeing uh, Melkor at work in the world. And he sees that there's a need to have strong, hardy people to resist him. Yeah. And so he, he, he makes the dwarves very stout and very hardy and uh, you know, very resistant to um, the, the things that Melkor might throw at them. So it's it's coming from a good place. I think he's trying to make the world a better place. Yeah. 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 And then, and then, uh, uh, and then Yavanna gets wind of what he's done and, and she's not too happy. And I think um, 
one of the interesting things because she goes to she goes to LA and they talk about it and you know and she's scared because she realizes oh oh dang like my trees are going to get all chopped down and so I got to go to Manway and remind him what was in the song uh, of that and so we get the um, <clears throat> the first hint of ants ultimately in here of the the not so hasty ants uh, and I had forgotten I think Mike we spoke about this before we recorded um, and. You mentioned that uh, that he, it's like the spirits. These are separate spirits that were brought into the world to be the Ents. So they're 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 not Ainur, they're not Maiar, they're not elves, they're not men, they're not dwarves. They're something completely different. And I'm trying to find the quote right now. Um, when the children awake, then the thought of Yavanna will awake also, and it will summon spirits from afar, there it is and they now. will go among the Kelvar. And the Kelvar are the animals, and the Olvar, which are the plants, and some will dwell therein and be held in reverence, and their just anger shall be feared. Yeah, that was something I'd never really noticed before. In this, is that they are completely separate spirits, and I love that because you know you go read the Lord of the Rings, and you're like, well, what are these? What are these end things? And like, how can we justify these ends? Did Tolkien just like come up with these things out of whole cloth and just you know not worry about? Uh, what they were and they thought they were cool well no he actually had this there was something before that when he was probably i mean who knows exactly when this was written but certainly there is more to just ents than uh their appearance in middle earth at, at a whim by tolkien yeah fascinating right because this the firstborn and the secondborn we're going to leave the dwarves aside for a second firstborn <laughs> and secondborn elves and men come about from the flame imperishable where iluvatar just creates their souls when the time is right and, and, and they're created and, and they're in the world. But these are these spirits are like the Valar and the Maiar. They've come from outside the world and they're drawn by Yavanna's thought, by this great uh, Valar, um, <clears throat> Yavanna. They're drawn by her thought into the world and then they come into the, and, which is why, to speak to what you were just saying, but to, to speak to the eagles for a second, I always thought, Tolkien was it was interesting because the talking eagles from the Hobbit, which of course also you know come back in the Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. are they always seem sort of Lewis esque to me? Sort of you know just and, and there's animals and then there's talking animals, but it's not so with Tolkien. He has a specific idea of the reason that the eagles talk, but we don't see anything else really that talks. And some Tolkien nerd's going to tell me that the fox talks at the in the Fellowship of the Ring when it comments on the Hobbit's journey. Yeah. And I'm going to tell them that that is um, somewhat metaphorical. It's, I don't believe that that's true. That the fox is actually speaking with words. But anyway, nerd moment aside, <laughs> that the, the eagles are the only animals that talk. And so, and so there's the there's this interesting question of what are they? And it turns out they're spirits from outside of Ea that drawn into to to protect nature, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just love the depth of all this. There's, there's, there's the world creation, and and uh, one of the things people ask me the most of why, why I like Tolkien so much, and it's the world creation that there's, it's not, it's not an accident, um, right? And and, uh, and I also like speaking of the eagles. Um, uh, uh, Manway kind of takes Yvonne down a notch when she's she, she mentioned she was glad and she reached her arms toward the heavens and said hi shall climb the trees of kementari and the eagles of the king may house therein but manway rose also 
And it seemed that he stood to such a height that his voice came down to Yavanna as from the paths of the winds. Nay, he said, only the trees of Aule will be tall enough. In the mountains, the eagle shall house near the voices of those who call upon us. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> the man gets the better thing again. I don't know. <laughs> oh no <It's> like, <laughs> no but you know it's sort of like uh no sorry you got you got the ants but you know these yeah. these eagles they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna be in the mountains and, and ali's gonna be right there with them and sorry about that um although that's, you know, that's just, a that's a really good idea but hear me out mountains <laughs> <laughs> well even even funnier um I, i'm gonna point out something that that contradicts the um the, the faux patriarchy that you tried to bring. No, into it. <laughs> but I, I'm going to point it out. I'm next just a chapter product of my environment, man. It, it, it comes up in the beginning of the next chapter. So I'll hold off for a second. Mm-hmm. But, but at the end of this chapter, it is a really for anyone that's married, because remember Yavana for whatever it means for Valar to be married, Yavana and Aule are married. So they're, they're bonded together. That's right. They are. And so Yavana <laughs> comes back to Aule and says, guess what? Ants. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. The whole, I know, I know. But. And Aole looks up and he's just like, you know, Yovana says, Now let thy children beware, for there shall walk a power in the forest whose wrath they will arouse at their peril. And Aole is typical, like, sort of phlegmatic husband. He just sort of looks and then he looks down and he goes, Nonetheless, they will have need of wood, said Aole. <laughs> yeah. He went I mean, on with his smith work. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's such an aside that like I can imagine like in between blows of his great hammer, he's 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 creating the links for Angino or something like that, right? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> nonetheless, they'll have need of wood, <laughs> and just keeps on going. And like, it's, yeah. it's, it's a great line. It's what what a way to end that chapter. I like I love that. That's excellent. I like how uh, he basically just made an entire race of people like in his garage and just didn't, didn't think like. <laughs> Didn't think his wife needed to know. She's like, ah, she wouldn't yeah. understand, you know. This is man yeah. stuff. <laughs> it is a bit like OC Chopper reality. I was just going to say, yeah, yeah. It's like, this would totally be on the Discovery Channel if, uh... <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and, and, I mean, even the, the dwarves, they, I mean, they, they look like they were created by a guy in his garage, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because um, the... Uh, I was just I was just looking up here because I had a picture of Ali on on the calendar from last month, which is not last month anymore. But uh, sometimes they make him look a little bit like the dwarves. I've noticed. Mm. But, and I've always you think? Been, uh, yeah, I've always been a little bit eh about that. And I think that was a Ted Nasmith painting. So I love Ted Nasmith. But, uh, yeah. So I, just as an aside of like uh, Ali, yeah, I guess he's working in a smith all day long. But does he really need bigger muscles? Like he's a he's a supernatural being. Like he doesn't need to grow the Anyway, I'm, I'm, I digress. <laughs> he's not he's not working out with like the Bowflex out there. You don't think <laughs> it is um, his garage, so that would be the yeah. word Bowflex is for sure. So, yeah, I, uh, see, I never had a problem with the muscles. I had a problem with the them making him ugly. So yeah, I know it's and 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 you know, I, see, I, it's totally believable to me that you know dwarves are all bearded because the form that Aule takes is bearded. Um, because remember he makes them like himself, like he's, he's, he's building what he knows. Yeah. And so, um, he must have, now you can say, well, he doesn't actually have a body per se. That's true, but he does take a form and Mm -hmm. the Valar's forms that they take are different from each other and they're reflective of their nature. 
So there's something in his nature which is bearded. So I think we should just let Dan speak to this since he's the only bearded one on the podcast. <laughs> beards are cool. I didn't man. realize beards, beards are cool. Were, beards are good. Didn't realize yeah. there were beards were part of a part of our nature. But, uh, As a small aside, before we go on to the next chapter, if we do this this time, um, I thought it was interesting that Manwe has to remember what was in the song, reminded by Yavana. And then when he remembers, he falls asleep. It's funny because it doesn't say he falls asleep. It says then he sat silent. And then it told all the things that came to him while he sat silent. But then the beginning of the next paragraph is, then Manway awoke and he went down to Yavana. So <laughs> so he's he's been asleep. So he it's interesting that sleep is kind of the thing that happens even to Valar when they're when they're tapping into the music of Iluvatar and the music, the music that has created the world. Yeah. I didn't yeah, the, the, vi- the vision was renewed, but now it was not remote for he himself was within it. And yet he saw that all was upheld by the hand of Iluvatar and the hand entered in and from it came forth many wonders that had until then been hidden from him in the hearts of the Ainur. Yeah. He like goes on like this uh, vision quest or like his trance. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And then he awoke. Huh. He's like eagles and ants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yes. I remember. <laughs> I had this awesome dream. Yeah. All right. So, what do we think? How long are so, we? Have, how uh, yeah, long I we think gone? I think we'll have to move uh, uh, next chapter into the next week. But okay, but that, that's uh, we're we're at a good almost thirty minutes now. Okay. Um, and well, uh, hold, hold the thought of the patriarchy because because I do have something to say about that. Beginning till next, next week. Chapter. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, until right, next yeah. week. All right. Because well, speaking of, of patriarchy, uh, uh, we like to do the 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 uh, weekly. If you like Tolkien, uh, and I, this is actually not speaking patriarchy at all. I was just trying to find a, a smooth transition, but the, <laughs> smooth as it was, it can be. You know, postmodernism. <laughs> I can make you whatever I want. So. It doesn't really <laughs> Uh, no, so if you like Tolkien, my recommendation is don't watch The Wheel of Time on Amazon. <laughs> um, I I read the first six books of The Wheel of Time, and then I kind of got bored, so I didn't finish it. But I enjoyed the first three in particular. I think those were their strong, the strongest ones. Wheel of Time. Let's see. I have the World, the Great Horn, and oh my gosh, I can't remember the third one. In any case, the and I think you watched it, right, Michael? You watched the the whole Wheel of Time series too, did I you? I did. I watched the Wheel of Time series, and, and I it read, was I read it was, all the books of the Wheel of Time. Okay, so for me, uh, I was trying to remember. It'd been a while, but I, I've um, I've read the, the Eye of the World twice. I think the last time I read it was probably ten years ago because I, I thought at that point I might reread the whole series. Never got back into it, uh, but it didn't. Like I was I was watching the books or watching the books, watching the TV show, and it was nothing like what I remember. The book being like they, first of all that like they change characters right from the very beginning um you know and this is this this is outside of the the completely random racial makeup of everybody in the show at least you know i i don't mind if they're going to try and do some sort of racial makeup in a medieval setting that is uh, that makes sense where all everybody from one particular part of the world is this particular you know ha, ha, has these particular features but here it's just kind of like thrown together anybody's anything and it seems it just takes me out of it all the time it i hate that feeling where you start you start judging people based on like oh you got this job because you're a particular you look a particular way and i uh, anyway but uh, outside of all that i think it's written poorly they've messed up the characters and the entire storyline is completely 
not completely. It is like 60% different than the books. It has no, tons of characters are missing. Their introductions aren't missing. So the reason I say, if you like Tolkien, don't watch this because you might really not want to watch The Rings of Power when it comes out. Because if if this is an example of what Amazon's going to end up doing with Tolkien, that's going to to be sad. Now, granted, they don't have as much of a clear storyline as you did with The Eye of the World uh, and The Wheel of Time, but it's certainly not, it's not a feather in their cap, right? There's no way right. that I would, uh, I would take this and be like, hey, good job, Amazon. Let's go forward and make Tolkien because Tolkien, there's far more weight in Tolkien's world than there is in Robert Jordan's world, even though he fleshes it out pretty well. Agreed on all counts. And, and there were kind of two parts to your criticism. The first was the um, lack of the bad storytelling and the, the way they changed the books. And so, yes, the, it, with regard to the Rings of Power series, they don't have that particular um, <clears throat> horse to trip over because the, the story is very vague from a specifics perspective, except for certain specifics. Um, so they have a lot of leeway to not screw up the story because there isn't much of a story to screw up in one sense. That's true. But so that that part, I, I agree with. And then there's the other part, which is the forceful injection of um, uh, modern views on things, which the whole the whole racial diversification thing is. A, I like you. And I'm going to say something from our I'll, I'll, I'll actually tap it into what we just talked about with the chapter on. Aule and Yavanna. Um, there's a place in Aule and Yavanna in the chapter where after Iluvatar tells him the dwarves are going to sleep until the elves have awoken, he then takes the dwarves and he spreads them to the seven corners of the earth. So they actually come from different places. And um, my family, my kids and I play Lord of the Rings online from time to time. And they have a they have these these quests that you can do where you're sort of like a back in time thing where you get to see history of the world and uh, middle earth at different ages in one of them in one of these scenarios you get to see the the um, kingdoms of the dwarves come together to try to retake for for durin's folk to help durin's folk retake moria and which actually happened in in tolkien's world and the dwarves of the different kingdoms look different they come look like they're they're they dress like they come from different parts of the world their skin tones are different like they come from different parts of the world I have no problem with it at all. I think that's fantastic because it's believable because that's what Tolkien said. They, they were scattered to different parts of the world. So it's believable that when they arose, they would have their own cultures. And so the idea, for example, here's, I'm going to say something about the Rings of Power um, trailer now. There's a moment in the trailer where there's a dark-skinned dwarf, um, a female dwarf is dark-skinned in the trailer. I had no problem with that at all. I, I think that's perfectly believable that there would be a female dwarf that comes from a, one of the one of the kingdoms that isn't Durin's folk, and and uh, so you could have a you could have a, a dwarf with different complexion and different what we would call racial skin tones, um, but that's because it makes sense within the confines of the story that Tolkien told, whereas it makes no sense with regard to elves because Tolkien is very explicit that they are they are fair skinned. And they come from a single place in Middle Earth, which we're going to hear about in the next chapter. Mm -hmm. So when you are injecting a bunch of different racial types just because you are in love with racial diversification, that's not um, staying true to the story. And I, that's where I have a problem. Yes, Brand I agree. over. Yeah. Uh, and it's sad because, uh, you know, obviously we're judged by uh, the... Uh, 
the powers that be for saying that, but hmm. meaning, you know what I mean? Like there, there's like people will, will, will hear this and will essentially say that we're, we're, we're white male racists who, uh, who can't stand anybody who doesn't look like us. But problem is, is it's perfectly fine if there's a re- good reason for it, like you mentioned. And when there's no yep. good reason for it, like in the two rivers in, in the wheel of time, it's supposed to be a small town that, you know, I think the only person that comes from out of, I guess, uh, Rand does, right? But you know who Rand is. I think, I guess Nynaeve does as well. But the rest of them are all local from there. If I remember right, am I am I remembering that right? You've read it more. You are, yes. Yeah. So to have completely different ethnic ethnicities in what's a small corner of the world just seems so odd, uh, especially is- right. And we're not talking about like they don't they don't have uh, private jets that they're flying across the world, right? We're talking that in order to travel these distances, they have to go. I mean, this is why the Wheel of Time is so long because every single step they take is written about by Robert Jordan. Between every city, it takes them two freaking chapters to go from one place to another because it's so far. And the the migration of peoples is a slow process in these timelines. And for that to actually uh, not be respected just as seem just as is yeah lazy. yeah the the two rivers is no city of Rome that's like the meeting place <laughs> of a right. thousand yes. civilizations. Right. So it's, it's in fact the exact opposite. Two Rivers is supposed to be this backwater. So the idea that there there's six different racial types that all exist there yeah. for random reasons. Yeah. I mean, they're not even a reason. The, yeah. they, they don't even give us a reason because we're supposed to accept okay. that that's good enough. Yeah. Like, that if And and like you say, we, we will be judged by certain people because the Internet's full of judgment. It loves judgment. So but I'm I'm, I'm fine with that. I like yeah. I, I, that. That part doesn't bother me. And then not I'm to just, mention that they decided to to make the dragon reborn in that series a female or male. Like we're not gonna like the that that kind of ruins the whole point of of the male female division they have in the one exactly. power. Anyway, Dan, I know you haven't read this, so we're kind of going off on things that don't really. You matter. guys are both raising excellent points, but I just have to ask: Why are you so bigoted? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have an answer for that, but I will not say it on this podcast. (laughs) I might have to edit that out. Oh man. Yeah. So anyway, so if you, if you like, uh, if like, if you like Tolkien, avoid, avoid the the wheel of time. Right. uh, Right. The wheel of times. And uh, uh, you can read the books. Would you, would you, the books are okay. I was going to, I was going to ask. Michael, I read the first six and I was, I I liked the first three the most. By the time I hit the sixth one, I got relatively bored and I couldn't continue. And this was before you finished publishing them all. And so I was like, well, I'm going to wait if I do anything. So I haven't finished it. I think you said that you enjoyed it. I did, but you do have to get through the middle part. You know, I'm, I'm amazingly patient with fantasy and sci-fi works. Um, So so there's the whole middle of the series, five or six books in the middle, from book four to book ten, is uh, is can be pretty slow. Right, and these yeah. books are about like eight hundred pages long usually. Right, and then Robert Jordan died, and so it was taken up later on. Um, Brandon Sanderson was appointed to finish it. Yeah, but he of the fourth quote from Dan's um, yes. contest today. Right. So, so uh, yeah, but uh, overall, the story I enjoyed the story. I'm a sucker for for complex world building. I love I love it when authors take their hand at, at building a real engaging world. And while I don't think anyone did a job the job better than Tolkien did, um, there's plenty of authors that I really like their work. And and so I like Jordan's series. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the 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 Amazon series is just a yeah a dumpster fire. 
<laughs> it had its moments, but they were few and far between. Yeah, yeah. Like, there oh, were a few oh, moments yeah. out of out of a like like it's gonna know, be the same thing. It's gonna be the same thing with the Rings of Power. It's gonna have its moments where like, oh, they captured just a little bit of that spark and then mm-hmm. it died because the spark fell into like some deep waters that they couldn't fathom at all. So yep. anyway, all right. So um next week we'll do uh chapter three of the coming of the elves and the captivity of melkor and uh probably that's enough we're not going to get through more than that in that chapter i mean this one we thought we could get through in, in a short amount of time but i just think there's there's maybe the only one we won't get through is of thingol million since that's literally about a page and a half um, right are, and are we going to do both next no week? i think we just do we'll just do um of uh, of the coming of the elves Okay. And move from there. So, yeah. All right. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you next week. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you leave a review where you can. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, wherever. And uh, follow us on Twitter. We're on uh, Torque, T-O-R-C is the username. And we'll post there when new episodes go up. And uh, have clips and other things there. We have a quote every day, too. So that's fun. So thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. All right. now. See ya. Michael, Dan, and Jonathan want to thank you, the listener, for joining us. Visit us at theonering.com, your source for everything Tolkien, where you can comment on this episode and join the conversation. This is Austin Robertson bidding you farewell. May the wind under your wings bear you where the sun sails and the moon walks. <laughs>